Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome to another episode of Believe, a Bills fan podcast. I am Jamie D'Amico. I am flying solo today. That voice you're so used to hearing, the man who breathes life into Believe, John Boccasino, is unable to attend this week. But hey, he's a good man. He's a good friend. Every once in a while, he deserves a day off, and we're going to happily give that to him. So, thank you for joining us, though. And here we are, as part of the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts, coming at you to give you what you need to know on game day as a preview of the Houston Texans against the Buffalo Bills. And... Where do we start when we're talking about these two teams playing? Well, before we get into it, before we tell you everything that you want to hear about that game, I think we need to take a step back. And what we need to do is look at the Bills game against the Washington football team because it seems to have been very telling about what could be coming the rest of this season. The big story of that game against the Washington football team is Josh Allen. He seemingly got it right for the first time this season. Through the first couple of weeks, there was some hand-wringing and some consternation because it seemed like Josh Allen was not playing to the level that he was expected to due to his impressive level of play all throughout the 2020 season. He seemingly became a superstar right in front of our eyes. Superstar Josh Allen was not present the first couple weeks of the season. Superstar Josh Allen would have willed the Buffalo Bills to victory in week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Superstar Josh Allen would have probably put up 58 points against the Miami Dolphins, but the Bills still beat the snot out of the fish 35 to nothing. But what happened against the Washington football team? Well, Josh Allen made himself the AFC Player of the Week again, which he's done every season so far, including four times last year. He threw four, oh, a fairly impressive 358 yards with the completion percentage of 74 and a half. And that came along with four passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, and a passer rating of 129.8. Suffice it to say, superstar Josh Allen is back. But there were more things going on with that game that I think could be telling of what's going to happen the rest of the season. So our own Bruce Nolan 
of the Bruce exclusive of cooking <laughs> with Nate Geary uh, likes to say that three games is a trend, but we've seen a slightly different team in week one and week two as we did in week three. Some of the really positive things that were happening for the Buffalo Bills in weeks one and two didn't necessarily show up in week three. But let's talk about some of the good things that happened. Cole Beasley finally got involved. 11 receptions. The engine that makes the Buffalo Bills offense run. The the guy that moves the sticks, he looked like he was back. Josh Allen and Emmanuel Sanders, finally on the same page. I mean, Josh was looking for the guy, and E-Man, 34 years old, is still looking like he can get downfield and make things happen. The Bills went after him in the first place because he's so good against man-to-man and getting himself open, getting separation from the defenders. You're starting to see that, and it's entirely possible that by the end of the season, He's leading the team in receptions, even though most people are willing to say that Stefan Diggs is one of the best receivers in football. But as Diggs said this past week, teams are looking to take him away. So now it's sort of a, a pick your poison kind of thing. Speaking of the passing game, Dawson Knox, he's showing up this year. He has on the season 10 receptions off of 12 targets. Two touchdowns, including an absolute beauty of a reception in the end zone. I mean, the way he sort of spun himself around, made that catch, got his lower body inbounds, it was it was gorgeous. And that's the kind of thing that a, a really athletic guy like Dawson Knox can do. And we know the story on him. He was very raw coming out of college, and he's starting to put it together. Also... Zach Moss was solid, and we're going to have a really nice Zach Moss statistic coming up later in the episode. However, there were some things that we learned this past week that were not necessarily present in the first couple of weeks. Namely, that vaunted Bill's defensive line, the pass rush, which had been the topic of conversation for the first two weeks, It went silent. Taylor Heineke, the Washington football team quarterback, was allowed 2.93 seconds to throw on average. That's a long time. That was one of the longest times to throw in the NFL in week three. Cody Ford, who had been very good through the first couple of weeks of the season, was atrocious lined up against Deron Payne. He allowed 11 pressures on the day, which was the worst on the season for any offensive lineman. Tremaine Edmonds got picked on. Oh, did he get picked on by the former Buffalo Bill Logan Thomas, the tight end? Now, okay, we've talked about this before. People don't like it when you speak ill of Tremaine Edmonds. And I'm not speaking ill of Tremaine Edmonds. But what I am saying is he was picked on. He allowed six receptions for 120 yards. That is something that teams are going to pick up on going forward. They're going to try to scheme ways of getting him locked up on on receivers, on running backs, and especially on tight ends because 
it seems like Washington figured something out. And now Edmonds, he's good in coverage. And that's the thing. Why did he have a tough game? Well, we'll have to look at the tape to figure it out. But here's the other thing that we learned that is positive. That the Buffalo Bills are still excellent at using their secondary to confuse quarterbacks. Taylor Heineke, the Washington quarterback, was forced into two interceptions. And that could have been four. That could have very easily been four interceptions. They had a drop. They had one pulled back on a penalty. And I like seeing that because confusing young quarterbacks, well, that takes us up to this upcoming game against the Houston Texans, who are playing with a young quarterback. The Houston Texans last week lost to the Carolina Panthers, the resurgent Carolina Panthers, 24 to 9. Now, before we get into that, I want to talk about something that us members of Bill's Mafia were looking forward to when the schedule came out, and that was Bill's alumni quarterbacks playing, starting the game in Buffalo, giving us fans a chance, a chance to go out and cheer for, pay our respects to former quarterbacks Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tyrod Taylor. In fact, Tyrod Taylor, the first couple games of the season, was actually playing better than he ever has at any point in his career. Do you guys remember when he was the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills? Now, he wasn't bad. He was frustrating. The guy threw the ball out of bounds constantly. He never threw between the numbers. And if he did, it was never inside of the hash marks. He was great at running the ball. He was great at protecting the ball, but he wasn't a guy who was going to drive the ball down the field with limited time on the clock. That's something we saw Josh Allen do this past game. When the Bills had about 30 seconds on the clock and 80 yards to go, the Bills came out of that with three points at the end of the half. How beautiful was that? Now, that's something that a great quarterback can do. We've watched it happen time and time against our own Buffalo Bills in the form of Tom Brady. So glad he's out of the division. But Tyrod Taylor has been doing things this season that he had never done in the past. Taking chances, throwing to receivers that are covered, throwing receivers open. In week two, he was 10 for 11 with over 11 yards per attempt against the Cleveland Browns, a very good team before injuring his hamstring. But that takes us up to an interesting streak that the Bills are on right now. Ben Roethlisberger started week one against the Bills. A shell of his former self, Pittsburgh still won. Ben didn't look bad in that game. But then if you take away the first few snaps in week two, the Bills have mostly played against backup quarterbacks in the first month of the season. Jacoby Brissett came in for Tua Tagovailoa, and that may have actually been a blessing in disguise for the Miami Dolphins because Brissett, he's not a great quarterback, but he certainly looked better than Tua did. Fast forward to the Washington football team. That's where we, as fans, were screwed out of our opportunity to give Fitz the standing ovation he deserves. By the way, after this season, he's going to be a free agent. 
Mitch Trubisky is going to be a free agent, the Bills' current backup quarterback. So let's get it out there now. Hashtag bring Fitz home. That's what we want to get out there on social media. We want to let the Buffalo Bills front office know we want Ryan Fitzpatrick back in a Bills uniform for the final couple of years of his career. And don't you think he would make a great teammate and mentor for Josh Allen? I mean, coach another coach on the sideline, that's what they always said Matt Barkley was. Well, let's get Fitz back. Anyway, I digress. That brings us to Davis Mills, who got his first start of his career against the Carolina Panthers, in which mm, he wasn't awful. He was 19 for 28 for 168 yards and a touchdown. The longest play of the day was 30 yards. So let's look at this. Who is Davis Mills? Well, he came from Stanford. He did not start many games. Didn't play a lot. But he's got good height at 6'3". He's got a very strong arm. He can run. He's sort of a physical prototype. Let's call him baby Josh Allen. He doesn't have he doesn't have the, the girth of Josh Allen. You know, he comes in at about 217, 220 pounds, whereas Josh Allen's tipping the scales at over 240. Doesn't have Josh Allen's size. But like Josh Allen, as I said, didn't play a lot in college. But here's Here's the thing with Davis Mills. He's slow to make decisions. He's got the arm to whip the ball in there, but he's a little slow to make his reads. And he's a project. They didn't plan on him starting. They planned on him being a third stringer. But, oh, Deshaun Watson, his issues. He's been a scratch. He's not been active at all this season. Gerard Taylor, he was supposed to be the backup. This guy, practice squad. Well... In the NFL, the best laid plans don't always work out. And here's this guy starting. Not what the Texans would have drawn up. So last week, this is really interesting. Who was Davis Mills throwing the ball to? Well, a third of all of his pass attempts went to Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks ended up accounting for 47% of all of their receptions. He had nine receptions for 112 yards. That tells me he's staring down his receiver, his number one target. Now, at the same time, they were going up against an outstanding defense in the Carolina Panthers. So his job wasn't going to be that easy. Their longest play from scrimmage was 30 yards. So what did Carolina do on defense that limited the Texans to only nine points? Well, first of all, They dared them to throw. They loaded the box and said, okay, Texans, we are going to stop your running backs. Now, the Texans running backs, if you're looking at the names on this list, if this were five, six years ago, this would be an amazing backfield. However, it's 2021 and these guys are not what they used to be. Mark Ingram. David Johnson, the former 2,000-yard rusher, and Philip Lindsay, who actually led the team in carries and yards this week, but they combined for a paltry 15 carries for 37 yards. <laughs> the Texans obviously couldn't get anything going uh, on offense in general. They only had 193 yards, 
And that's the kind of thing that's going to happen when you have a team that is basically built to lose this season with a bunch of guys who are over the hill without their starting quarterback or even their second quarterback starting. And then on defense, the Texans allowed over 400 yards on offense and Sam Darnold, the newly good quarterback, Sam Darnold, threw for over 300 yards yet again. If I may take a moment to say, it really annoyed the hell out of me that the first couple weeks of the season, Sam Darnold, who was absolutely awful when he was a New York Jet, was looking better than Josh Allen. We knew that that wasn't going to last. Sam Darnold, though he may have talent, he's not in Josh Allen's class which is a funny thing to say considering where we were four years ago when when the draft happened. However, he threw for 300 yards and really made easy work of the Texans. So that takes us up to this upcoming week. The Buffalo Bills, the Houston Texans. What's this game going to look like? Well, that's why you're here. So that's what I'm about to talk about right now. But we needed to establish what was going on this season in order to really get into what it's going to look like in week four. Well, I hate this game. I want you to know this. I talked about this in my other podcast, Jamie D and Big Newt. And I was telling Big Newt that there's nothing good. There are no good feelings that can come out of this game. There aren't. There just aren't. What is it going to take for the Bills to say, hey, that was good? It can't happen. The Bills opened as 17 and a half point favorites. That's a college spread. That is not something that usually is seen in the NFL. So as Big Newt would put it, the only thing that the Bills can do is live up to expectations in this game. And what are the expectations? <laughs> as he likes to say, a monkey stomp. <laughs> And I can't even say that without laughing. Anything less than that, a Buffalo Bills destruction of this Houston Texans team is going to be a letdown. A close game, it would be a fail in the eyes of fans. What happens if injuries take place? Well, the Bills have some injuries right now. Jordan Poyer's out. John Feliciano is out. That's two starters. By the way, Head coach Sean McDermott's playing games about who is going to replace uh, Jordan Poyer in the lineup. We know on the offensive side of the ball that Ike Butker is going to be starting for John Feliciano. But at safety, DeMar Hamlin, Jaquan Johnson are on the roster as backups at safety. Also, the Bills have the option of elevating Josh Thomas, who I thought looked the best of all of the safeties in preseason. He's on the practice squad. He can be brought up. I don't think it really matters. To be honest with you, you've got a, a rookie quarterback who's inexperienced. Who they start doesn't matter, but you know this is what coaches do. Bill Belichick would do the same thing. Anyway, back to possible outcomes. An injury would be terrible. You do not want to lose a starter or an important role player going into next week against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills have to get this monkey off their back that is the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs aren't playing well this year, but they utterly dismantled the Bills last season twice. 
The Bills need to perform well against them. An injury to a key player, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't happen. Getting out of the game without injuries would go a long way to making me feel better about what's coming up. And here's the worst possible scenario. What if the Bills lose this game? Now, I don't think they will, but fans would view it as utterly catastrophic. I mean, the walls would be falling in. People would be saying, how in the world did this happen? And frankly, I don't know how it could happen. I don't think it will. But my God. So where are the positives in this game? I just want to get this game done and over with. And the Bills are going to need to run up the score in order for fans to feel okay about it. And I just, I have bad feelings. I have terrible feelings about this because anything less than a 30-point win is going to sort of feel like a loss. The Bills already beat the Miami Dolphins 35-zip, and fans were not feeling good about it. I don't want that feeling again. Monkey stomp them, Bills. So how's that going to happen? Well, let's look at last week's game plan. Who were the Bills going up against? Washington football team, inexperienced quarterback, Taylor Heineke, a talented guy, not the arm that uh, that Mills has, but still a, a pretty good player. The Bills need to pull out exactly what they did last week against the Washington football team. They need to sell out to stop the run. Make Mills be the guy who beats you. Make him do it. Don't let these old running backs have their way with you. Get people in the box. Tempt them to throw. Make them throw the ball. Put nine guys in the box if you have to. But make Mills be the one who does it. Because I don't think he can. So keep him in the pocket also. He's an athletic guy. Put a spy on him if you need to but keep him in the pocket. Make him go through his progressions. Make him do his reads. That's what the Bills did last week against Heineke. They did not blitz him. They said, we want him making decisions. Well, I want Mills making decisions too. And do what the Bills did last week also. And this is something that they do every game. And this is something that isn't talked about quite often enough. The Buffalo Bills are tremendous at disguising their coverages. Now, there's two ways on defense that teams like to confuse the offense. One of which is through pass rush. The other is coverages. The Bills excel at disguising their coverages. They are very good at making it look like they're running one type of coverage. And then the next thing you know, oops, it looked like a zone defense, but this cornerback just vacated his zone to cover a different guy. Oh, that's safety. He picked the guy up. Oh, it looks like it's going to be man-to-man, but oh, geez. No, it's not man-to-man. The cornerback only followed the receiver 10 yards downfield and then turned around to play the shallow zone. The Bills are fantastic at that. Do more of that. And one more thing on defense. You saw last week, Trey White was following Terry McLaurin around. Terry McLaurin is one of the best wide receiver talents in the NFL, but it goes unnoticed a lot of times because Washington just hasn't had good quarterback play. You put Terry McLaurin on a team with a great quarterback. This is a guy who's going to compete to lead the NFL in both receptions and yardage. So Trey White seemed to have a little bit of a tough game. 
Part of that was because he was seen rushing the quarterback, which is not his cup of tea. But with the number of throws that are going to Brandon Cooks and with both Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson coming off of injuries, I would like to see Trey White on Brandon Cooks because that is the target that they're going to go after. Now, on a positive note, the Bills are not going up against the same type of tight end that they were last week. Last week, Logan Thomas of Washington, he had a season last year where he put up 73 receptions. The guy is an absolute athletic freak. Well, this week, the Bills are going up against Pharaoh Brown, who is physically imposing at 6'6", 260 pounds. But on the season, he's only got six targets for four receptions. For his career, he has 20 receptions for 257 yards. This is not a guy who's going to scare defenses all that much. Now, on offense, what do the Bills have to do? Well, this is what I wrote on my notes right here. Let Josh be Josh. What did Josh Allen do last week? He set his feet. He leaned into his throws with good balance. He found his receivers. He got rid of the ball quickly. He moved the sticks. He made good choices. He left the pocket when things were getting disrupted by the defense. He went into the scramble drill. He found his receivers. He looked like his old self. And that is exactly what we need him to do again this week. And really for the rest of the season and the rest of his career, Josh Allen looked like he was at nearly his best of his 40 so attempted passes. There were really only two of them that you thought, don't do that again. That's not a bad ratio. They also need to spread the ball around. We've talked ad nauseum on this show and really any sort of Buffalo rumblings show that you would you would listen to, whether it's a podcast, whether it's an article, really any Buffalo media in general, even national media, is going to talk about just the number of weapons that the Bills have spread it around. Last week, cornerback Vernon Hargraves, the number one corner in Houston, left with an injury. CB2, Terrence Mitchell, is questionable for this game with a concussion. Weak side linebacker, Zach Cunningham, is out because he's on the COVID list. Well, what does that tell you? That tells you that the Bills receivers and tight ends and running backs, when they're out running routes, could be getting into the depth of the Houston Texans defense. It could be bringing in some backups. I don't think backups on any team in the NFL can run with the receiving trio or quartet, really, that the Buffalo Bills have. But what else do they need to do? Well, they have to pass block. And they did not do a great job of that last weekend. Josh Allen was the most pressured quarterback of the week. He wasn't sacked many times, but the Washington football team got after him. And in the past, Whitney Merciless has really gotten after Josh Allen. We saw that in the playoff game against the Texans. That's really where the Bills need to focus because he's going to be their best pass blocker, even though he's getting a little old. The Bills got to tighten it up. They've got to give Josh Allen more time. But why am I focusing on pass blocking here, not run blocking? 
But listen to this interesting stat. This is the one that I promised you earlier in the show. Zach Moss gained 70% of his yardage before contact last week. And that's after last season, both Moss and Singletary were in the top 10 of yards after contact because the Bills offensive line was allowing them to be hit in the backfield way too often. Guess what? That was not the case last week with the Bills running the ball. That is a very good sign. So since it looked good last week, I want to go back to it again this week, and I want the Bills to find some balance running the ball because I want to see them shorten this game. I want the clock to keep ticking. I want this to be a game that the Bills have in hand and control it by controlling both the clock and yardage, and you do that by running the ball. That's something that the Bills need to work on this season because that is what the great teams do to beat other good teams. Let last week and this week be the precursor to what the Bills are going to have to do against the Chiefs. Keep the ball out of their hands. Meanwhile, outscoring them. And this is the final item that the Bills need to do in order to be successful against the Texans. Put them away early. Don't let them hang around. This is the NFL. Any team can beat anyone. And you know how it happens when you have a mismatch like this? It's that the team that doesn't belong in the game is allowed to hang around. They're allowed to keep the score close through turnovers, through fluke plays like blocked punts that turn into touchdowns. The Buffalo Bills very easily could have beat Pittsburgh in week one if they had just run up the score a little bit, but they were allowed, the Steelers were, to hang around through three quarters, and then they started gaining momentum and the Bills started losing all of theirs? No. You take a team that you should beat handily, like the Houston Texans, and you run it up by 24 points by halftime, they will feel psychologically defeated at that point. They'll start packing it in early, and that's exactly what we want to see. We don't want to just beat them. We want to dispirit them. And we want to see another Mitch Trubisky game. We want to see Mitch Trubisky play a lot of snaps. We want to see him play the entire fourth quarter against the Houston Texans because we don't want our starters on the field leading into the biggest game of the season so far, which is the Chiefs. So you ask me the question. Jamie, you keep talking about the Chiefs. Are you looking ahead? Do you think the team's going to look ahead to the Chiefs? No, I don't. Because as Mongo Feliciano said, you can't look past anybody because that's when you get your ass kicked. But I'm also a fan. And a team that should be terrible right now, the Texans, versus a team that should be great, but isn't yet, the Chiefs, I can't help it. I'm thinking of that primetime game that's coming up a week from Sunday. So here's my prediction. Bills versus Texans. Bills 38, Texans 13. I think they're going to move the ball a little bit in garbage time. But before that, two field goals because this Bills defense is playing really well. I hope that they can get the pass rush back like they had the first couple of weeks. Not counting on it but I think that they can do a little better than they did against the Washington football team. 
And I also want to see the Bills move the ball early and often. This is going to be a Bills victory. So thank you for listening to Believe, a Bills fan podcast. We're available anywhere you can download your favorite podcasts. May that be Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. Next week, we will definitely have John Boccasino back in the loop. I'm sure you missed his beautiful voice and his many interesting and factual musings. I'm Jamie D'Amico. You can reach me at the Jamie D'Amico on Twitter. I am so glad you joined me this week. Go Bills!